Today's podcast is sponsored by Zencaster. I use Zencaster to record the Tally Room podcast and it's an invaluable tool. I record pretty much every episode of this show remotely with my guests joining me from wherever they happen to be. Zencaster allows us to record with high quality sound even if the internet connection isn't the best. It records a high quality version on the local desktop and then uploads it when the internet connection allows, meaning that the audio the listeners hear is usually better than what I can hear when I'm recording. It also allows for recording video. I use it to be able to view my guests, but you can also record video in 1080p. On one or two occasions, I've used Zoom instead, and you really notice a difference. It's super easy to use Zencaster. I set up a link for a recording and send it to my guests, and we're getting started in minutes. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code TallyRoom, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting needs. It's time to share your story. Welcome to the Tally Room Podcast. I'm Ben Rowie. Australia's federal electoral boundaries are now being redistributed in three states. As part of that process, the public has been invited to make suggestions as to where those boundaries should be drawn, the first of four stages of public submissions in the process. As part of that process, Australia's major political parties always make submissions, suggesting boundaries for every part of the state. Why do they do this and what does that achieve? My guest today has been preparing those submissions for the Labor Party for decades. Welcome to the show, Shane Eason. Hello, Shane. Hi, Ben. So to bring the audience up to speed, suggestions for the New South Wales federal redistribution were released last week, and the second round of submissions, the comments on those suggestions, will close at the end of today if you're listening to this podcast on the day it's released. Suggestions will close for Western Australia on Friday the 17th of November and Victoria one week later on Friday the 24th of November. In both cases, those suggestions will be published on the following Monday. Shane, you've prepared many of these submissions for Labor in New South Wales and in other states. If the process is independent, why do the major parties go to all this trouble? Well, they want to get their point of view across to the commissioners. But a problem you sometimes get with different ALP branches, state branches I'm talking about, is um, some have a very different view as to what they should do in their submission. My opinion, and I've been doing redistribution submissions since 1984, so getting on to 40 years, what you've got to do is always remember your audience your major audience isn't the Labor Party or your particular party or your particular interest. It's the commissioners themselves. You've got to try and persuade them that a certain way of doing the boundaries is better than other approaches and meet the community of interest criteria in the electoral act. Let me give you an example of that, uh, of what I'm talking about. The last federal redistribution submission I didn't write, and I'm not writing the one currently for New South Wales, was in 1977. And in that year, New South Wales was going to lose two federal divisions. The ALP, to avoid losing a Labor division proposed that the seat of Sydney include 
the North Sydney CBD. Now, that was an example of a political party really addressing itself and not the electoral commissioners. So you're not going to get anything up if you're just trying to protect your members, etc. Because then you're ignoring the criteria of the Act, the Community of Interest criteria. You just can't do that and expect to get your submission up. So my view is at the beginning, you've got to work out whether certain things are going to happen or not. And if you think the commissioners are going to adopt certain boundaries, you embrace them. Let me give you an example of that. Let's have a look at Sydney, the North Shore, okay? Since 1984, when the parliament was increased by 24 members or so, if we look at Sydney's North Shore, since 84, and remember we had the abolition of uh, Dundas in 91, the North Shore has had enough numbers to support six seats. But there's been a surplus that had to be allocated to another seat. And that surplus is the Hawkesbury Council since 84, except for one election, the Hawkesbury Council had been combined with the Blue Mountains. Anyone who knows the North Shore, as distinct from the Inner North or the Northern Beaches, knows that the Hawkesbury is part of North West Sydney, that if the North Shore is in deficit, then that's the place you'll look to to find your numbers. On this occasion, the North Shore is about 70% below quota at the projected date. What I would have done would have been to embrace taking the Hawkesbury Shire from Macquarie, put it into the set of six seats, plus any other additions you need to find. And typically, over the years, Parramatta has been a seat where you've had inwards and outward movement uh, in order to adjust the North Shore to quota. This will be the first time prior to 1984 that the Hawkesbury will be part of the North Shore. Let's look now at what the major parties did. What the Liberal Party did, that they moved Macquarie into Bathurst, Lithgow, Oberon. That's fair enough. Macquarie from 1901 to 1977 incorporated Bathurst. And again, for the 2007 election. But what the Liberal Party further did was then split the Blue Mountains and incorporated some of the Blue Mountains independent and then hived off a section adjacent to the Hawkesbury. They then abolished the seat on the North Shore when, in my view, none is needed. Look at what the Labor Party did. The Labor Party locked the top of Blacktown Council, represented by the tops of Greenway and Chipley, 
and then combined it with other sections of the North Shore, all to achieve most of Hawkesbury Shire remaining in Macquarie. So both the Labor Party and the Liberal Party, in this example, have probably done something I wouldn't have done were I writing the Labor Party submission. If you think, and I think, the Hawkesbury will be entirely incorporated in the North Shore, embrace it. Don't try and play games in that area. Do you actually think you see these submissions actually having an influence on the people who ultimately draw the maps? You know, the people who are, there's the redistribution committee and the people who help them at the AEC. Do you think that they are ultimately influenced by like submissions from Labor or Liberal? I think what the commissioners do is they look at the major party submissions, they look at others, perhaps less so. I call them hobbyists who write individual submission. The Commission should know that each of the political parties are an umbrella group for MPs with one submission for the whole group coming in from each of the political parties and so on. So they represent more than an individual, more than an MP. The Commissioner therefore have to think that the political parties and so on as well as the individual, have tried to consider everything when you're doing a whole-of-state submission. If you're one of the commissioners, what you will find helpful is a submission, be it from a political party or someone else, that helps better resolve a problem that they have in their mind than something they've been working on. Right? So if you're one of those commissioners, what they will do is they'll make an assessment of where the problems are to meet the electoral criteria. Remember, the numbers are paramount over community of interest. And then they'll look at other various submissions and see if the way they're solving a problem might not be better solved in a certain area by someone else. The problem you will have, if you're a political party only trying to fix your local members up and no one's going to have a problem that way, then you're really not writing your submission for the commissioners. You're writing it for yourself, for internal consumption. And therefore, whatever you put up will be discounted by the commissioners. It's hard enough wearing a political party hat and not being dismissed anyway by the electoral commissioners. But if you make obvious sort of claims that are really a try-on, much of what you're actually trying to solve properly elsewhere may not be considered. I go back to that example of 1977, when we put uh, the North Shore into the seat of Sydney. If I were the commissioners in that time, I would have screwed up the submission and thrown it into the waste paper bin. Because it undermines the credibility, right, when you do things like that? Correct. So if you really want something done 
in a particular area and you've got a whole number of try-ons elsewhere, what you're trying to fix fairly and properly may not even be noticed. So you're drawing up as a mission for a whole state branch of the Labor Party, let's say, for example, although presumably people who do this job for the Liberal Party, and we, we did actually have a conversation with someone who does a job like this for the Liberal Party about coming on the podcast, but he wasn't able to make it. When you're doing that, you obviously have these conflicting obligations you need to meet. You obviously need to draw something that is numerically valid and can pass muster with the Electoral Commission, but you also have your own members of parliament, um, own parts of the party that have their own interests. I mean, I once drew a statewide map for the Greens only once for the redistribution before the 2015 state election in New South Wales, but the Greens only had one member of parliament at the time. They didn't have these same issues, but presumably you would also have issues where some MPs um, in some areas might get safer electorates than others, um, but also, obviously, it's in the interest of an MP as well to not have their electorate, apart from whether it's safe or not, if an electorate is massively redrawn, that also creates a lot of work for them, right? So presumably, they have interest that they would like to see served by a submission. Oh, that's true. As Paul Keating famously said, you're trying to do X, Y, and Z, you're trying to get the numbers up uh, to win a pre-selection, and then the commissioners by a slash of the pen, will put you out of the seat. And he then was referring to the seat of Banks, which there were two contestants. The local member was due to retire. He'd reached the mandatory retirement age in that time. This is back in 1968, when we had a redistribution. And the two major candidates were Frank Walker from the left, Paul Keating from the right, and both were taken out of the seat by the commissioners. Quell horror. Look, you do have to talk to all of the MPs, etc. You take them on board their views and their argument in particular. But you've always got to have going the whole of the state to consider. You can't just consider one seat at the debt, if it's going to be at the detriment of the party's uh, submission for the whole of the state. So don't do too many trials, is my advice to those doing redistribution. And also come up with something which overall has a coherence. Let's look at, say, the 2018 redistribution in Victoria but federal redistribution. I had, on that occasion, the party thinking, well, look, they're not going to take any notice of us. You know, why should we sacrifice a margin somewhat for one seat? If they're not going to consider us, well, then just put in a submission that appealed to our local MPs. I resisted that as I was coordinating it. But in the end, I was forced to comply. I couldn't take down the margin in Holt because I wanted to help Dunkley. So what I did was say that the suburb of Mornington should be excluded from Dunkley without explaining how. And the obvious thing to do on that occasion was to draw Holt south to take the bottom half 
of the Kaysish, uh Council from Flinders, which enabled it to take Mornington Peninsula, and so on. That way, Dunkley became a Labour seat. But I was told that I couldn't write a submission that way. So you do get, uh, when you're coordinating a submission for a party, sometimes you get told that you can't do X, Y and Z, even though it's got a coherence in the whole of the state term, even though it might help the party, simply because someone's got an attitude that they're not going to listen to it. Well, if you take that defeatist attitude, you're not going to get much up. So we were talking before we started recording that, you know, it would be amazing one day to do have a conversation with the people who actually draw the maps at the AEC, which, you know, maybe one day that could happen, but I'm a bit sceptical they would ever be willing to talk on the record. So, but, but because you draw a whole map of the state, admittedly not from the same perspective as the commissioners, talk a little bit about how you draw. Where do you start and how do you get it all to fit together? Where do you finish? Victoria, the key dividing line, it's going to be the Yarrow River, right? The Great Divide, it's important, say, between Gippsland and Indi. If we look at New South Wales, your typical patterns of movement, the Great Divide along the north coast has generally been a barrier since time immemorial. So you way to filter the North Coast, Central Coast, the Hawkesbury River has been a barrier since 1968. The Georges River at the lower reaches, Barton Southern Border from 1922 until 2016 had been the Georges River. But you can go through the Princess Highway coming up the North Coast. If you're a little more inland, the New England Highway, if we're looking at the Blue Mountains, you've got the option of the Great Western Highway. If we're going south, we're looking at the Hume Highway and the Princess Highway for the South Coast. So you've got a whole range of considerations there. Now let's assume the Hawkesbury River's not going to be cropped and the Great Divide isn't going to be cropped on the North Coast. Well then, you can do all those electorates and your filter point will be through Hunter, through the New England Highway, for example. So you can start there, do a whole set of seats in that area. With Eden Monero, I would never have put in Yath, Tuma, Tumbarumba, the western side of the Great Divide. Again, Eden Monero, the Federation until 2007, never cross the Great Divide over the other side. Those places are also effectively to the west of Canberra, right? It's if Canberra is effectively on that dividing range. Yeah, but it is also the Great Divide. It's very hard to get from one side to the other. So you can do all of those south coast electorate. You get the filter point through uh, Hughes from the Sutherland Shire to the Liverpool end. And to a lesser extent, with the seat of Whitlam, do you put in the Southern Highlands or any of it into that seat? And going south through Hume, MacArthur, you're looking at the Hume Highway. So again, you can work out the seat. I earlier mentioned the North Shore. 
I think you can kind of group six suits together and work out that area. Because of Hawkesbury, there will still be six North Shore suits. One may be abolished and another reconstituted elsewhere, but there will still be six suits there. So that's another area where you can start. You can also start at Macquarie, start at Wentworth, etc. So you've got several starting points. Start at Barton uh, if the Georges River is going to be the boundary between it and Cork. So there's no one starting point. Everything's got to converge at some point. And the worst thing you can do, and this is a problem particularly in Victoria, is just say, okay, this or that at the projected date is within the 3.5% banned from the quota either way. So we'll leave that at 3% and or this at 2% under, and they're generally all under in Victoria. You will end up with your last seat, the quota there at the future date is over 27,000. If you work that way, you'll end up with that final seat having 200,000 electors because you haven't um, made the necessary adjustments. So you've always got to look through the regions of the state, etc., at trying to have a balance within the region for the projected quota, etc. Otherwise, you'll run afoul of the numbers at some point. Yeah, if you draw a bunch of seats that are all slightly under, they might individually all look fine, but that slight under quota adds up and up and up and up until it becomes a really large amount, right? So you need to make sure you're doing both under and over. When you're drawing a map, again, back with your political party hat on, do you find that you are actually able to draw a map that gives an advantage to your side and is able to be adopted in parts? Because it feels like you've got to balance out. There's always areas where maybe you improve your position or you weaken your position elsewhere. But I do notice when I look at the Liberal and Labor submissions for New South Wales that they tend to try and preserve without too much change in their own areas and they're often much more willing to cut things up in the areas dominated by the other major party. But do you think you are actually able to come up with suggestions that have an influence? It goes back to what I said before. Don't do the try-ons. If you're doing a whole series of try-ons and then you've got the serious, you know, could go one way, could go another matter that you wish to discuss, you probably have already lost the commissioners by that point. So it's a really important question to consider because it's one about your own sanity too. Am I doing this because it's expected or are we doing it to try and make a difference? I think you've got to be coherent in what you're trying to do. I noticed, for example, the Labor Party submission this time, without going into the detail, did make some of the points that I've tried to adopt over the years. Don't cross the Great Divide. Use the major highway as your breathing sac for shortages or surpluses between regions and so on. So at least they got that concept right. Whether they've observed it in the doing, that's another matter, and that for the commissioner to decide. But they were trying to do the right thing there, and I give them credit 
they did restore the Cook and Barton boundary of the Georges River, where it's mostly been for over a hundred years. They also removed that western end of Eden Monero. And those two things did stand out from the last redistribution. And I'd hope a majority of submission would try and ensure that those reversals take place. You mentioned, Shane, you were interested in chatting about what names they're going to use. So New South Wales, Victoria, both losing a seat, Western Australia is gaining a seat. But there's been quite a few submissions that even when a state is losing a seat have suggested a number of new names. The Liberal submission suggests a new seat of Reby covering the Hawkesbury and uh, Northern Hills. Uh, they suggested Bird Walton for a new seat in the southwest of Sydney covering the new airport, a variety of things like that. What are your thoughts on names? I'm genuinely ashamed and disgusted that the New South Wales branch did not try and come up with several new names. If we look at seats named solely after women, New South Wales is now to have 46 seats. We've only got three named after women. Victoria's got five. Queensland's got five. If we look at seats having an Indigenous name, New South Wales and Victoria, in 1900, when the boundaries were being proposed, the first proposition was that every New South Wales seat should have an Indigenous name and that the great majority of Victorian seats should have an Indigenous name. In those days, the Parliament could decide to make its own boundaries and its own names. What they did in New South Wales, they left us with five out of 26 that were going to have Indigenous names, back to five. In Victoria, out of their then 23 seats at Federation, still a majority, 12, had an Indigenous name. Come to the present day, Victoria, 38 seats, 11 have an Indigenous name. New South Wales, 46 seats, only seven have got an Indigenous name. So New South Wales, well behind Victoria, both in the proportion and actual number of seats named after women and having an Indigenous name. What I had uh, proposed to the Labor Party was that, and I don't think a decent political party worth itself can do other than propose to retire the names of Macquarie, responsible for the Mount Appen massacre, and Mitchell, who was responsible for the Mount Dispersion massacre in 1835. Memorials have been erected in the last decade to the victims of those massacres and memorials funded by the New South Wales Liberal government. In the case of Wentworth, a federation name like Macquarie, um, William Charles Wentworth, for whom the seat is named, um, argued that Aboriginals were about the mental IQ of beast and should not have uh, representation in the legal system. Um, he further nearly purchased, until it was vetoed by the governor of New South Wales, nearly purchased a 
third of New Zealand for £400. Why do we have seats named after these people, right? They should be retired. My suggestion was, in those three cases, that we replace the name with Charles Perkins, Faith Bandler and Pearl Gibbs. Further, looking at other seats, North Sydney, the seat of Melbourne Ports, also a federation name, was retired two redistributions ago and renamed after a woman, McNamara, became the name. I would have thought that North Sydney should follow that example, be replaced by Millicent Preston Stanley, the first member elected to state parliament, who was a woman. I further would have suggested that MacArthur, instead of being named after John Annal Elizabeth, should only be named after Elizabeth MacArthur. John MacArthur instigated the Rum Rebellion. He should not get a seat named after him. And in any case, Elizabeth was the driver of the merino wool industry, more so than a husband. Finally, Cook, I would have named both after Captain Cook and the Prime Minister, Joseph Cook. I think someone commented on my blog about the MacArthur situation, naming it after Elizabeth. I mean, John MacArthur basically launched a military coup, right? I found Tom Rogers unique among all uh, commissioners of the AEC to be prepared to consider names, particularly those who, more women, that's been the hallmark of his time as electoral commissioner and getting rid of those who massacred people, like um, Macmillan was uh, uh, retired in favour of John Monash in 2018, John Batman, who was an Aboriginal bounty hunter, only time I've cried in front of the commissioners was to try and get that seat renamed Cooper after William Cooper. You had the Nichols, after Doug and Gladdy, got the new seat of uh, Nickel, which replaced Murray. I mentioned McNamara, replaced Melbourne Ports, etc. Look at other states. Sterling, responsible for the Pilbara massacre, so-called founder of Western Australia. His seat was abolished last time. And you've got other examples in South Australia and WA where a seat was canning, jointly named for an Indigenous woman, and finally we've got a female name up in South Australia. So what I'm saying, none of the previous electoral commissioners would have been as good as Roger. You could never get a federation name chain or a long-standing name chain until Tom Roger. I think that's a really good thing. I acknowledge that the Liberals in New South Wales proposed two extra seats be named after a woman. The Mary Riby seat, I wouldn't go back to 19th century colonial names. So that's where I'd find fault. But credit for trying to rename more seats after women. I think that is politics 101 for anyone. And I'm extremely, I said, dis disgusted with the Labor Party here in New South Wales for not doing what a Labor Party should do. 
Do you have any other particular predictions or trends you think you're going to see play out in these redistributions? Look, the most interesting one is what happens next. The biggest problem, it's less of a problem, but still a problem in New South Wales. A particular problem in Victoria is the projections that they've um, made. I doubt Victoria will last more than two parliaments. Um, I think it will gain a seat coming up. If your projections are wrong, and you've seen that from 2014, when the projections were made in the previous redistribution, their numbers were wildly off on the North Shore, the inner city, and expecting too much growth and too little growth on the Central Coast, um, North Coast. That creates big problem next time. And you want someone, in not the AUC's fault, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, you want them to kind of lift their game there for the future. So that's about it for this episode of the Tally Room Podcast. Thank you, Shane, for joining me. Been a pleasure. Thank you, Ben. You can find this podcast on your podcast app of choice. If you like the show, please consider rating or reviewing us on iTunes. You can follow the Tally Room on Mastodon at tallyroom at mastodon.au or like us on Facebook. This podcast is made possible thanks to the generous support of our donors on Patreon. Please sign up at patreon.com slash tallyroom. Information about this podcast is available at tallyroom.com.au and you can email questions or feedback to the tallyroom at gmail.com. Thanks to Christopher for writing the music you hear in this episode. Once again, thanks for listening. <laughs>